your regularly scheduled program for a special announcement. The United States is headed for an entitlement crisis. Social Security and Medicare are going broke. You are going to have to pay the bill. You are going to have to pay the bill. Welcome to the Debt Dialogues, where you'll learn about the coming entitlement crisis, how it affects you, and what you can do about it. Debt Dialogues. Here's your host, Ayn Rand Institute Fellow, Don Watkins. In an earlier podcast, we talked to Ankar Gatte about the morality of the welfare state. Now, I wanted to delve deeper into that issue and really look at the moral code behind the welfare state, what Ayn Rand called altruism. Now, today's guest knows more about the subject than virtually anybody I have ever met. Peter Schwartz is a distinguished fellow at the Ayn Rand Institute, and before that was the Institute's chairman of the board. He was the founding editor and publisher of The Intellectual Activist from 1979 until 1991, a periodical devoted to the defense of individual rights. And he has also written a book, The Tyranny of Need, examining the code of altruism and is currently seeking a publisher. Peter, welcome to the Debt Dialogues. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it. So before we talk about altruism, can you just answer broadly what is morality? Well, morality is, is very simply is a guide to the way to live your life. It's a guide to action. We don't, we're not born with innate knowledge. We don't automatically know what is good for us and what is bad for us. We need to establish some basic standard by which we judge what is right and what is wrong, or what is beneficial to our lives, what is harmful. And the task of morality, if it's properly conceived, is to provide principles for people so that they know, for example, it's good to be honest, it's bad to be dishonest. It's good to use your mind, it's bad to just give up your mind and blindly go by faith. Those are the kinds of issues that morality deals with, and again, if it's properly uh, formulated, it will serve as a very practical guide to living. If you asked most people what morality is, though, I think that they would say something along the lines of not hurting others or doing good for others, not just going out and doing what's good for myself. So th that seems to, you, you seem to have a much broader view of what morality is. Well, it's not a broader view, it's a very different view. It's a, it's a radically different view. That's one of the tragedies of uh, our culture, uh, the whole Western culture, for uh, uh, a couple of thousand years, is that morality has come, the very concept of morality, has come to be synonymous with altruism, with self-sacrifice, with surrendering your interests for the sake of others, with placing the needs of others above your own interests. And that's a, a, a tragic mistake. Uh, people can't even imagine that there is some alternative, some valid, rational alternative as, a, as an ethics, an alternative to altruism. Therefore, what people, when you ask people what is morality, they'll say, yeah, as you said, they'll say, well, uh, think of others before yourself, uh, don't be selfish. Uh, uh, people's needs must come before your, your own, uh, uh, that is, the needs of others must come before your own. All of that is because they, they, they equate the whole idea of ethics 
with a morality of self-sacrifice. And in, in, in my view, uh, there is a very uh, radically different system of ethics, one formulated by Ayn Rand in her philosophy of objectivism, a, a system of rational self-interest where you neither sacrifice yourself to others, but simultaneously you don't sacrifice others to yourself. You live an honest, productive, self-respecting, self-sustaining life and deal with other people by trading value for value without in any way seeking the unearned. So then let's talk a little bit just about the meaning of altruism. So we're saying that it's, it's, it's a particular moral code. It's not synonymous with morality. Uh, what is it, and is it, and in particular, if you could contrast it with the traditional view that it means more or less being nice and helping others? Well, one of the, the basic reasons that altruism is accepted virtually uh, universally no one questions it. One of the basic reasons for that is the, the, the uh, distorted understanding people have of what altruism actually demands. It is, as you say, people, uh, many people believe that altruism means being generous to other people. Uh, somebody, if your neighbor has suffered some tragedy, if his house burns down, go over there, try to help him out. Uh, help little old ladies cross the street. Uh, this is not, what, in fact, what altruism demands. Generosity is perfectly compatible with a, an ethics, with a non-altruist ethics, with an ethics of uh, self-interest, of rational self-interest. But what altruism distinctively demands is that you subordinate yourself to others, that any time somebody lacks anything that you have, you have a moral duty to provide it to them. You are not entitled to say, it's my money, I earned it, I ought to have a right to spend it to advance my own life. You can't say that according to altruism, because the, whatever you've acquired, no matter how honestly and productively you've, you've gained it, it really belongs to someone else. It belongs to the poor. It belongs to those in need. And anytime you confront someone in need, that is someone who lacks what you have, you are morally obligated. You have a duty to provide him with it. You have a duty that is to sacrifice your interests for the sake of others. And that's just a, another way of saying servitude. You must be a servant to others. And that's a, 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 if people understood fully that that's what altruism means, uh, they would not be so eager to embrace it. Well, that leads to the next thing I wanted to ask, which is, do people really believe in or practice altruism? And, or to ask it another way, who is and who isn't an altruist? Uh, that's not quite the right way to put the question. There are certainly many people, most people, don't practice altruism. Nobody can practice altruism consistently, and remain alive because you'd have to give up everything, including, you know, your organs for people who don't who, who need a you know a kidney or a an, a, a lung or an eye. Uh, nobody can practice it consistently. 
So it's, it's regularly flouted. But the fact that someone does not abide by the tenets of altruism does not mean that he rejects altruism. It just means he feels guilty. It means he believes, he tells himself, well, you can't be fully moral all the time. You have to think about being practical. Nonetheless, as a moral guideline, as an ethical principle, he, is, he accepts altruism. That is, he accepts the idea that if you do want to be moral, if you do want to do what is, what is right and good, you should sacrifice. And that's how we have a welfare state politically, because people cannot and, or, or will not stand up and say, I have a right to the money I've earned, no matter how many poor people say they, they lay claim to it. I don't have an, a moral duty to sacrifice for others. I can be generous if I want to. I can give them a gift. But it's charity. It's a gift. It's not a debt that I owe them as altruism uh, demands. People can't do that, and that's why we have the government constantly expanding the sphere in which money is taken from some people in order to give it to others. I want to come back to the um, political implications, but what are some examples of altruism just in an individual's life? Like, where do we encounter this just going about our day? Well, you encounter it constantly. You encounter it, um, for example, uh, if you're a high school student, you have a, 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 a child of yours as a high school student. Uh, in most high schools in this country, uh, the student cannot receive a diploma unless he or she engages in uh, community service. You can have the best student in the world. You could have someone earning straight A's, uh, working very studiously, uh, planning for his future, studying hard, working to save money to go to college. And the high school will tell him, you cannot get your diploma unless you take some time away from your various pursuits and uh, you know, clean bedpans in a hospital. Uh, that's a clear example of altruism. Or look at what happens in, in uh, uh, sports today, it's particularly in youth sports, where we've gotten away from the idea that in some competition the winning player or the winning team receives uh, a trophy and the loser does not. Now everybody gets a trophy. If you participate in sports, you get a trophy because we don't want to uh, hurt the feelings of those who have lost. They're entitled, in other words, the, those who lack the ability or the talent to have won some competition, uh, they too have needs and their needs have to be fulfilled and you have to give them a trophy. So it's, it's pervasive. Anywhere you look, the, the, the idea that those who have achieved something, those who have succeeded, have a moral obligation to provide for those who haven't, uh, and n no public voice rejects that. Just to make sure everybody's really, really clear on this, because I think it's so important to be clear what altruism does and doesn't mean, I just want to give a couple quick examples and have you give just a short answer on is this or is this not something that you would necessarily classify as altruism. Sure. So uh, 
giving to charity? No, certainly that, that's, that does not necessarily mean altruism. I give to charities, I give to several charities, but the, the difference is this. I judge whether those charities deserve my help or not. Uh, I decide whether I can afford and how much I can afford. I don't decide that I have to go hungry in order that some other people be fed or that uh, my children have to go uh, without shelter so that somebody so that some homeless people get get shelter I place my interest first but I say okay here's a cause that uh, I'm willing to give money to but it's a gift uh, the, the, the charity is a gift altruism demands that you sacrifice for others not as a gift but as their something they are morally entitled to as a debt and that's the big difference so charity is perfectly compatible with a a philosophy of self-interest. Uh, what about taking care of your kids? Well, that's even more so. They're your kids. You've chosen to have kids. They're your. They're your. You value them. Altruism would say, uh, you know, you, you have a child uh, you're raising. He, he lives in a nice home. There are all these people in uh, in uh, in Haiti or in, in Mozambique. All these children who are much who are less well-off than yours, let your children go without food or without clothing so that you could feed many others there. That would be what altruism requires. But your children are yours. They're part of your life. You value them, presumably, or else you shouldn't be a parent. And if you do, they're part of your whole structure of your self-interest. And what you do for them is uh, because they're your children, not because they're some stranger's children. Um, what about the category of, you know, people will often talk about anytime that there's a high price for something is I had to sacrifice in order to make the basketball team or I had to sacrifice in order to, you know, uh, send my kids to college or I had to sacrifice in right. order to keep my romance alive. Um, what, what do you think of that view of yes. what uh, altruism is? That's another example of the tragic uh, misunderstanding the tragic distortions of concepts that underlie that underlies altruism. Just as that they distort the, 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 the meaning of altruism, they distort the meaning of the alternative of, of genuine rational self-interest, and along the way they distort such concepts, the meaning of such concepts as sacrifice. The idea of, self, of sacrifice is you're giving up something. But obviously, it's not the case that every time you give up something, that's sacrifice, because when you buy a loaf of bread, you're giving up money in order to get the bread. That's not a sacrifice. It's a trade, and you're benefiting. So the meaning of sacrifice is not giving up something as such, but giving up something you value more for something you value less. That's what sacrifice is, or something you don't value at all. The whole idea behind altruism is that you should have no interest in the, um, uh, the thing that you're sacrificing. If somebody's poor and you have money, you have to give it to him, because, not because it, it's in any way benefiting you, but precisely because it is hurt, harming you. Altruism requires you to harm yourself so that others might uh, benefit. Now, when it comes to something like planning long-range, if you decide you want to be 
you know, a, a doctor or a, 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 a concert pianist, and it requires many years of study, and you give up various short-term pleasures in order to devote yourself to a long-term goal, obviously you're doing it for your own interest. You, you, you're thinking far in advance, you're future-oriented, and you're saying, my life will be better served. I will be happy if I become a doctor and devote all the years necessary to acquiring the knowledge and skills to practice medicine. A, a long-term perspective is not a sacrifice. Sacrificing a dollar today so that you can have two dollars tomorrow or next year is not a sacrifice. It's a profitable activity. And it's, it's, it's disastrous that people term that a sacrifice. So what's wrong with altruism? I mean, what's wrong with, uh, the way that it will usually be put is, what's wrong with helping others? But uh, I think you've made it pretty clear that we're not talking about helping others, at least not fundamentally. We're talking about sacrificing our own interests. What's wrong with that? Well, the same thing that's wrong with physical slavery. What's wrong with uh, some people being slaves to others and being forced to work and, and having no say in their own lives? People today understand the, the evil, and not just the evil, but the senselessness of slavery, of physical slavery. The same applies to moral enslavement. What justification can there be for saying, because you have earned something, because you have something that another person lacks, you become his servant. You have to serve his needs. He has to take priority over you. You're becoming his slave. What justification could there be for that? Uh, you, you, each of us is alive. We have one life. It requires various actions in order to, to, um, for, for you to sustain your life and to achieve your goals and to become happy. Why should you be required to live in misery, to suffer, to harm yourself so that someone else might benefit? It, it, it's, it's senseless. And in fact, altruism never offers any validation for it. All they do is distort the meaning of altruism and of its alternative. But when you get the, if, if you penetrate that fog and you get to the actual meanings of these concepts, it becomes clear that it's senseless to say that you have a duty to immolate yourself, to abnegate yourself for the sake of, of, of someone else. I think some people would come back and say, look, Peter, you know, you're making it really black and white, where what we're really talking about is if you have a lot and you give a little bit to help somebody who has nothing, it's a huge benefit to him and a small loss to you. We're not talking about self-immolation. Um, why well, isn't that what we're talking about? We're talking about let's save people from disaster at a minor cost for for you or for somebody who's not facing um, total poverty or starvation or doesn't have a roof over their head or so on. Yes, but that that's an equivocation. The thing you have to ask is, uh, is this person who doesn't have a roof over his head or who suffered some misfortune, and we're talking about a an innocent person who suffered some misfortune through no fault of his own, does the, the question to ask is, does this person have a moral claim against you? Does, can he come to you and say, I am needy, you aren't, you have to give me your money? And if you put it that way, then the answer is no, no matter how, how needy he is. 
Now, again, you can certainly uh, engage in charity. You can help people out who are down on their luck, who have, you know, gotten sick or, or, you know, suffered through a flood or some disaster not of their doing. You can decide to help them, but you don't have a duty to help them. They don't have a claim against you. And by extension, the government can't come and take your money and give it to them on the grounds that they are needy and you have the means of fulfilling their needs. That you have to just name the principle. The principle isn't that if some people suffer some disaster and you're a multi-billionaire, you should give them some money. The principle that altruism is propounding is that if you have something and others lack it, they have a moral claim against you. They have a, 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 they're, they're entitled to demand that you, as a duty, provide for them. And that is, re- that is senseless and vicious. But I think um, people might, a, a lot of people think, well, phrase that way, okay, maybe. But at the end of the day, would we think that a billionaire who didn't give that money to help, you know, the person who's about to starve next door, would we think of him as a moral person? And I think most Americans that have a tough time saying yes. Well, this depends on the context. You, you, you can't uh, posit some, um, you know, out-of-context situation and say, would you judge the person to be moral or not? If, if, if someone next door... Uh, let's say his house burns down uh, and he's been your neighbor and you've had friendly relations with him uh, nothing he did contributed to his, to, to his, uh, his, his tragedy he wasn't uh, you know drunk and uh, in a stupor set his own house on fire he was an innocent victim of some misfortune that he couldn't prevent well, if, and you have the means to, you know, help him out at no sacrifice to you, then you should. And if you don't, I mean, that would be a, a mark against you. I wouldn't consider it a major moral flaw. I'd like to know what your reasoning for that is. But it's a mi- charity is a minor issue. The major uh, standard by which to judge whether someone is moral is, is he using his Uh, abilities. He's using his mind in order to live his life and pursue his values to the best of his ability. Every value you create for your own interest in a a free society we're talking about, every value you create that, that is intended for your own interest, in fact, benefits other people. Look at Bill Gates. Uh, In his role as as the, uh, you know, head of Microsoft, not in his philanthropic role. Who helped more people than Bill Gates did? You know, he, virtually everybody in the industrial world is better off because of the inventions and the, and the, the, uh, the, the products and the marketing that uh, Microsoft uh, has engaged in. Look how many people can, do some, can further their own lives because of what Bill Gates created. Now, he didn't do it altruistically. He did it selfishly. He did it in order to gain a profit. He did it in order to make his life the best he could. As a consequence, as a secondary consequence, he helped many other people. Uh, but the, the way to judge whether somebody is moral or not is, does he take his life, his own life, 
seriously? Does he take it as, as a responsibility that he has of sustaining it and enhancing it and, 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 and pursuing his goals in a rational way in order for him to be happy? And if he does, that's the, that's the, the fundamental standard. The rest, the, the issue of charity, as I said, is, is, a, is a minor issue. Uh, and again, it's, it's giving charity to innocent people who are victims of misfortune is perfectly compatible with uh, uh, a, a non-altruist morality. So we focused on the harm that altruism does to the person who's sacrificing, but what about, does it benefit the receiver or the recipient? Well, that's a, 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 a tricky question because you have to ask in, in, in what sense you mean that. Now, in a superficial way, you could say, yes, uh, even if you're forced to do it, you have money, you give it to somebody who doesn't, the recipient benefits. But if you look at it in a more fundamental uh, perspective, the answer is no, it doesn't. It's like under altruism, the idea is that uh, you are not responsible for your own life. You have needs. Others must provide for them. Others must provide you with, you know, housing, clothing, food, health care, etc., etc. Now, take this to its logical uh implementation. Altruism would say, you don't have to do anything for your life. Other people, as their moral responsibility, must take care of it. So you can just, you know, sit and vegetate. Other people will find you someplace to live. They'll tell you what, what, what clothes to wear. They'll, they'll uh, decide what books you read, what movies you see. Uh, Everything will be done for you. Not, you just have to lie there and vegetate. Now, th is that really to the recipient's interest? No, it's not. It's, it's not to his interest because he is not living his life. That is, he is not living a human life. And human life means something that is uh, sustained by the actions of the person himself. It's your life and it requires your efforts to be sustained. Living as a vegetable would be like, you know, living in a coma or living in an iron lung, uh, and you can't do anything, and, and everything is done for you. Now, if you're, obviously, if you're incapable, physically incapable of doing anything, and you're, you're paralyzed or whatever, then unfortunately that's the way you have to live. But that is certainly not the... Uh, a, uh, paradigm of human living that that is vegetable living and you're not a vegetable you're a human being so in that respect even the recipients of altruism are not being benefited and you can see that in in very clear-cut examples uh, it, the welfare state which is based on altruism based on the idea that you know the haves must provide for the have-nots what it does is it inculcates dependence it makes people dependent on the sacrifices of others. They no longer uh, feel a, a, a requirement to go out and sustain their own lives, to find a job, to get acquire skills, to move to another uh, location where their, their prospects are better. They just sit down and demand 
I need to be uh, fed and housed and clothed. And they become entirely dependent, and they, in effect, they live the lives of vegetables or of semi-vegetables, and that is not ultimately in their interest either. Uh, most people would call that selfish, though. I mean, they would say they would say you know the kind of per, I mean so take Rom, uh, Romney's famous forty seven percent remark. A lot of people think the reason we have a giant welfare state and that it's so hard to rein in is that there's all these selfish people who don't want to give up their benefits, even though the country as a whole is going to suffer from it. Well, uh, to start with B, the country will not suffer from it, and to to go back to A, they're per it, if it's if it's their money that they honestly earned they're perfectly entitled to keep it yes it's selfish but selfish which we haven't discussed sufficiently in this interview selfish means uh acting to advance your own interest regard it means taking your life as your primary value now that does not mean being a a predator on others it does not mean being a tiller the hun and ransacking the countryside you know, looting and pillaging, that is the uh, altruist, uh, distorted meaning of selfishness. Selfishness means pursuing your own values based on the primacy of your own life and your own goals. Uh, the idea, therefore, that you've earned something and it's yours, and you should be the one to decide how, what you're going to do with your money and how you're going to spend it and whether you're going to give it to uh, as charity to anybody. That's your decision. It is a selfish one, but it's a, a perfectly legitimate selfishness because you're the person who, who earned it. So deciding that you don't want to give half your wealth away uh, to the welfare state is a perfectly justified conclusion and if we got rid of the welfare state and allowed production to go uh, unchained, you would have a, an explosion of wealth in this country, and even the poorest of the poor would be so far better off than they are today. And even the, the, the tiny minority of people who are, you know, let's say the, 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 the paraplegics and others who simply cannot uh, work cannot earn their own, sustain their own lives, they would be the recipients of private charity, which would exist as it has existed in any free society. And the vast increase in wealth by unchaining the producers would make it relatively simple for those people to receive charity. But it would be charity. It would not be a debt. And again, that's, I'm overstressing this, but that's the, the single crucial, most crucial difference between the altruist perspective and the selfish, the self-interest perspective. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify um, what I was what I was asking in the last question, um, which was that yep. the the part of the view is the people who receive handouts. So take a, a social security recipient or something. Uh, there's a widespread view, particularly among conservatives, that the whole reason the welfare state is entrenched is that these people who are getting the handouts are greedy. Um, not the people oh, who I want see. to keep what they earned. I didn't quite understand you. Uh, well, now that depends on what you mean, again, what, what you define as greedy or selfish. Selfishness means doing what is required by human nature 
and the nature of reality. We're not born with all the things we need to live given to us. We're not born with, with a, um, you know, food and, and clothing and shell. We have to, all of that has to be created and produced. Um, the way to do it is by using your mind and saying, look, I live, in, I live in a real world. What is objectively required for me to sustain my life? And the answer will be, well, I have to look at reality. I have to produce the values I want. I have to be honest. I can't be in conflict with reality. I have to recognize reality as an absolute. The way I have to deal with other people, therefore, is by trade. I don't want to sacrifice for them. I don't want them to sacrifice for me. It's in our mutual interest for each of us to be productive and then to trade the products of our efforts. It is not, that is what selfishness means. Selfishness is not the, uh, the, the actions of an Attila. It's not the actions of a crook or of a, uh, a con man. Uh, all of those are short-range, seemingly, benefits that in the long run are actually harmful. So therefore, if somebody uh, is in this welfare state, if people are demanding that they be uh, given the fruits of other people's labor, they demand health care or uh, Social Security or whatever, uh, that is not being selfish. That is going along with the creed of altruism, which is, if someone can provide you with something you lack, you have a claim on them. It's the opposite of selfishness. that They're acting altruistically, but altruism has two halves, the sacrificers and then the sacrifices, if I can put it that way. And that's what these people are. They're saying altruism demands you, you help us. We're just asking for our due. We're not, we're not uh, uh, doing anything... We're not asking for anything unusual morally. We're complying with the system of altruism and saying we're needy, now help us. Uh, now, it gets a little tricky with things like Social Security and others where people ostensibly uh, have been contributing to a fund that's supposed to, in their old age, go back to them, and which is just an entire a Ponzi scheme. But the, the answer to the welfare state is to get rid of both aspects of altruism get rid of if you get rid of sacrifice you get rid of the people providing the sacrifices and you get rid of the people demanding the sacrifices and instead each party lives by his own uh, production and then whatever he can trade with others and everything he then has is what he's earned rather than what he's mooched or stolen off other people uh, so just a couple more questions. One is, uh, so your book is going to be called The Tyranny of Need, and Ayn Rand would often, you know, say things like need is not a claim. But what does need mean? Well, that's another good question. Uh, objectively, need arises only in the context of a living organism. You need something in order to sustain uh, your life. Uh, you know, a, uh, a rock doesn't have needs, uh, uh, you know, an ocean doesn't have needs. Living organisms have needs. 
According to altruism, however, need is not that which is required to sustain life, but need is anything you lack that can be fulfilled by someone else's sacrifice. So this is why they elevate need as a primary, but if you ask, well, how come you're concerned only with the needs of the recipient and not the needs of the donor? Uh, I'm being taxed, let's say, uh, in order to, um, you know, provide for, to subsidize the subways in New York or the uh, uh, producers of ethanol in the Midwest. Why? Why? Why are their needs the only thing worthy of consideration, whereas my needs, that is my need to keep my money and to spend it on what I want, maybe to you know, buy a new car or buy a new suit of clothes or go on a vacation, those needs are dismissed. And the answer is that altruism regards your needs, that is the needs of the, the, the person who's earned his money, as a selfish desire. It's only the, the, the status of, quote, need is given only to those who lack something that they cannot or will not provide for by their own efforts. That is something that can be fulfilled only through the sacrifice of others. That is the, the meaning of need, and that's why it's a, it's a, I call it the tyranny of need. That idea, the idea that you, the sheer fact of your lacking something entitles you to demand that someone else who's earned it provide it for you, that is an act of tyranny. There seems to be something really incoherent about it when you think about it. So, for instance, like, you know, if I'm using my money to send my kid to school, if you set me down next to, um, you know, Bill Gates, people would say, look, I have this need and Bill Gates has an obligation to help me fulfill it rather than, you know, uh, pay his, uh, put another house in his room or something or a room in his house. Um, whereas if I sit down next to somebody earning $10,000 a year, suddenly my desire to send my kid to school is, uh, like that's, that's something that I should be giving up in order to help this other person, um, pay their rent or something like that. Yes. But that's exactly what altruism wants. That, that's exactly what it demands. This is why, it, um, the, the welfare state does not simply apply you know, to the poorest of the poor, it, it, it's, it's applied to everybody. Uh, you know, under a welfare state, uh, we have to uh, uh, subsidize college education because people need a college education, so their needs must be provided for. We have uh, mortgages are subsidized. Why? Because people need to own a house, so we have to subsidize that need. People can live in a mansion and uh, have their flood insurance uh, provided for, subsidized by the government. Need is anything that, again, I'll repeat, need is, according to altruism, is anything that you lack that can be provided by someone else's sacrifice. So it, 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 it's not only the people at the very bottom who uh, are in this, uh, in this moral, in, according to altruism, in this moral um, situation. That is the situation of, of having needs and having to have it provided for. It's anyone who has some need that someone else can provide for. If there's anything you have uh, that someone else lacks, 
And there's always going to be that. There's always going to be something that you have that someone else lacks and something that you lack that someone else has. So there's a constant chain where everybody is uh, indebted to everybody else. And that is the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the consistent ultimate welfare state where uh, all uh, you know, are slaves of all. So as we wrap up, um, I wonder if you can talk about what got you interested in this issue and then what led you to write your book on the subject? Well, I, I, I can't say that there's anything, uh, any particular thought or event that got me interested in this. I was always interested in general in the, in the subject of ethics and the, the uh, conflict between altruism and egoism. Um, and uh, I, I decided I'd like to write a book uh, demonstrating how two things about altruism, both how, how senseless it is and how destructive it is. And, you know, it, it's like, um, you know, astrology, for example. You know, you don't, it, it, astrology is not, to, you know, accepted the way altruism is, obviously, but if it were, you know, then someone would, would need to write a book and say, look, this is a senseless way of uh, living your life to be guided by some, you know, horoscopes based on the movement of planets. Uh, and that's what altruism is. Altruism is as senseless as astrology, but the, the big difference is that uh, virtually everybody believes in it because of all the obfuscations that have been established, and my desire, my goal was to undo those obfuscations and to show altruism for what it really is and to show the consequences of it, and then, as, as part of that, to indicate that there's a rational alternative to it, namely the ethics of rational self-interest. How can people learn more about your work? Well, they can go to my website, peterschwartz.com. That's Peter, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. You can go to the website and uh, see uh, various writings and talks that I have that are available. Uh, and they can read my book just as soon as I find a publisher, uh, which I hope will, will be very soon. My guest today has been Peter Schwartz. Peter, thank you for being part of the Debt Dialogues. Okay, Don, thank you. So I want to reiterate a couple of the points that came up in this interview because I think they're very profound and they're very different from the way that we're taught to think about these issues. The first is that morality is a much broader concept than we're traditionally taught to think of it. We're taught to equate it with helping others, sacrificing others, reigning in our self-interest. But morality just means a code of values and principles to guide your actions and choices. That leaves open what code, what standard are you using, what principles are you following. That's something that has to be figured out and assessed. And, I mean, you just look at history, for instance. It has happened uh, from time to time that people think something is moral, and then later on they realize, no, that is that was not moral. Um, I mean, the, the obvious example of that is slavery or denying the women, uh, d denying women the right to vote. Those things were just viewed as, 
well, clearly slavery is a normal part of life and clearly women shouldn't be able to have a say in government. And today it's taken as almost self-evident, but none of that is self-evident and neither is the idea of what is moral. Those are scientific questions that have to be figured out. Now, the traditional way we're taught to think about morality, the conventional morality is what Ayn Rand called altruism. And that really is what I was uh, wanted to make clear in this podcast is just let's get really clear on what altruism is and what it's not. Because as Peter stressed, um, altruism is not is not about helping others. We can selfishly help others and indeed some cases uh, being selfish mandates helping others. Say if it's your child or your wife or a good friend. The issue is, is, your, is other people's need a claim on you? Does the, are you their servant? Should you have to surrender your happiness, your money, your values in order um, to give them something that they haven't earned but allegedly need? That, it, and you can see then that that really, that view of altruism is exactly what is at the root of the welfare state. Because when we think of the welfare state, inevitably the question is, well, don't you care about other people? Don't you want to help other people? And that is never the right question when you're thinking of the welfare state. Because under freedom, first of all, that is the biggest aid and boon to the individual possible because it leaves him free to use his mind to produce and create values and to live in an abundant, wealthy society. Um, secondarily, people are helping each other in that society all the time, whether it's friends or neighbors or private charity or businesses. There's just um, – there's no scenario – like the uh, – if you're interested in helping others, there's nothing about freedom that would make you think, well, this isn't a, this isn't achieving helping others. The, what the welfare state is distinctively is one in which a person's need is an entitlement. His need is a claim on others, not just morally, but then politically. And so that is the question that you have to ask when you're examining the morality of the welfare state. The question is not should we help others or do we have compassion for others? It's do they have a right? to our money, a right to our services? Do they have a right to turn us into their servants? And it's wrong to think about it, or the the way that I think most Americans think about it when they think about the welfare state is they think about, well, do, do I want to help people out who are having a tough time? Am I willing to pay a little bit to make sure that, you know, older people can get the health care that they need or pay for their retirement? Yeah, of course, absolutely I am. But again, I think what comes out of this interview um, is that that is not the right way to think about it. The right way to think about it is put, assume you're the person in need, right? You need, you, you need an operation that you can't afford. What would you do? Would you view other people as having an obligation to pay for your operation? Would you go over to a neighbor and would you demand that he give you uh, – that he pay for your operation? Or would you ask him? And if you asked him, would you understand if he said, uh, you know, I'd like to help you, Don, but right now uh, I'm trying to put my kids through school. I'm trying to build my business, trying to pay off my house. And I think most of us would say, yeah, absolutely. I understand that and I don't regard him as 
immoral for wanting to tend to his own life rather than pay for my health care. And that's the perspective that we should always hold in mind is, do I think a decent person goes around demanding the unearned? And I think, no, that is not what a moral person does. And yet that is exactly what altruism stands for. And the only way that it gains plausibility is by pretending uh, or, or blending together the issue of helping others and sacrificing for others. And those are two things that should never be treated as equivalent. They are, um, they're not the same thing. With that, it's time to bring this podcast to a close. To learn more, you can visit endthedebtdraft.com. And for the latest, I encourage you to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash debtdraft and let the world know that it's time to put an end to entitlement exploitation. See you next time. Debt Dialogues is property of the Ayn Rand Institute. Its content is intended for private use only.